0: In a moment, I'm going to read from uh, Matthew chapter 15, if you brought your Bible. Um, happy Mother's Day to all our moms. <clears throat> I told you I had a wedding yesterday evening, and one of our moms was at that wedding as a guest, and so was her teenage son who plays football for the Statesboro High School team. And in the course of standing there around after the wedding, and the conversation went to her son, and she said, look how big he is. He's going to start this year. He can lift. How much can you lift? And he told me. And then she says, in front of all these people, show them your muscles. Show them your muscles. There was a uh, particularly dramatic and eloquent minister who offered a Sunday morning prayer. And standing there in his robe, he'd hold out his arms and he'd look to heaven as he prayed. And it was very dramatic. And he, he started his prayer by saying, Oh, Lord, without you, we are but dust. He paused for dramatic effect. Before he could craft his next sentence, there was a little boy on the second row sitting next to his mom. He looked up and spoke in the tone that a little boy thinks is a whisper, but everybody can really hear it. And he said, Mom, what is but dust? The ten most often written about persons in American history, only one of them is a woman. The famous poet, Emily Dickinson. The other nine are men, and they're the men you would think. Abraham Lincoln, how many biographies have been written about him? George Washington, Ronald Reagan, John F. Kennedy, Martin Luther King Jr., Uh, I think uh, Mark Twain even made the list. But of those nine men on the list of top ten most often written about figures in American history, seven of the nine point to their mom as the reason for their success. Now, when I say Happy Mother's Day, I want you to know that I mean it, because there's probably been no one more influential in my life than my mother who's here today. So Happy Mother's Day. You know, 50 years ago, they had a class in high school called Home Ec. Most of you probably never had a Home Ec class. I did. Uh, It wasn't Home Ec, but for the guys, they had what was called Dress for Success, and that was about business and and managing finances and balancing a checkbook and and that sort of thing, going out into the workplace. And Meanwhile, the girls were in Home Ec, and they were learning how to be moms and how to be wives. And it's very ironic to me, you know, 50, 60 years ago, we prepared young girls for marriage, Today, we try and prepare them for sex, and we wonder what's gone wrong. But I stumbled across a uh, a 1958 home economics journal, and in it were some excerpts, and I'd like to share some of them for you as they're teaching young women how to be good wives. The first principle was prepare yourself. Now, I'm reading directly from the manual. Prepare yourself. Take 15 minutes to rest so you will be refreshed for him when he arrives. Touch up your makeup and put a ribbon in your hair. His boring day may need a little lift, so be a little gay and interesting. <laughs> Number 2, have dinner ready. Plan ahead even a night or two before to have a delicious meal ready on time. Most men are hungry when they come home, and the prospect of a good meal is part of a warm and welcome that's needed. Number 3, prepare the children. Wash the children's hands and their little faces for they are his treasures, so they must look the part. And then make him comfortable. Possibly my favorite right here. <laughs> have his favorite chair ready for him. Have the children bring him his slippers and the newspaper. Arrange his pillow for him. Here it comes, ladies. Talk in a low, soft, and pleasant tone. <laughs> this will allow him to relax and unwind. My, how things have changed. <laughs> By the way... Um, If you're a husband who thinks that's the way it should be when you arrive, uh, the Dr. Phil show is looking for you. He meets with those kind of guys every day, I think. The role may have evolved and changed a bit, but the criterion for success, in my view, has not. The big idea today, and I only have about 10 minutes to share this with you, so I want you to listen fast, okay, is this. Resourceful mothers... Know not to look for something from someone who cannot give it to them. Instead, they look to the Father and receive what they need. Resourceful moms, successful moms, productive moms. They know not to look for something from someone who cannot or will not give it to them. Instead, they look to the Father and they receive what they need. This is a scriptural principle. Uh, That idea is sprinkled throughout your Bible from cover to cover. Oh, it may not use those exact words, However, it's found in very prominent passages of Scripture. That idea is found in the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer in Matthew chapter 6. Remember, Jesus taught us to pray, Father, forgive us as we have forgiven others. You see, that means sometimes you're left with nothing but forgiveness because the one who owes you something, the one who should apologize but won't, the one who has wronged or offended you and they don't see it, they may never give you what you want, and so you bypass them, and you go to the Father, and you grant forgiveness. That famous passage in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew 6, verse 33. Seek first God's kingdom and his work. Focus on that. That is given in the context as if, as if you don't, then you're going to find yourself wrapped up in worry and anxiety over the things you need. The Apostle Paul, in his famous discourse in Philippians chapter 3, he said, here's what I do. I forget what's behind, and I press toward the goal. I'm trying to reach the mark so I can win the prize. You see? That's a simple faith, a faith that is focused, not upon what we think everyone else might owe us, but upon God, the Father. I've chosen today, as I said earlier, a relatively anonymous mom in scripture to demonstrate this point. Matthew doesn't even give us her her name, and probably because uh, either the events were happening so quickly that he never got her name, he was just taking notes, or because her name's not important. What's important is her faith. This mom from Matthew chapter 15 demonstrates the big idea today. She knows not to look for things from people who won't give it to her. She goes straight to the Father, and she gets what she needs. Let me read you something. It begins in verse 21 of Matthew 15. Matthew writes, Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him. Now, do you remember the Canaanites? That goes all the way back to the days of Moses and Joshua in the great exodus of the Old Testament. Remember, when Joshua was instructed To conquer the promised land, God said, drive out all the Canaanites. The Canaanites were idolatrous. God had given the Canaanite people centuries, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years to turn from their idolatry. To stop sacrificing their babies to the God of Molech, the fire god. To turn from their perversion, their wickedness, their twisted immorality. And finally, when they wouldn't, he gave Joshua instructions, wipe them out, drive them out of the promised land. This is a Canaanite woman who walks up to Jesus, a Jew, surrounded by other Jews. She came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy upon me. My daughter is demon possessed and suffering terribly. Another translation reads, she's full of demons. Demons. Now, back then, it could have been a physical illness that she called demon possession. It could have been a mental illness that she called demon possession. Uh, Back then, they may not have known the difference between the two. I'm not so sure today we know the difference between the two. But in either case, the context is she was suffering terribly. This is a mother who's concerned about a hurting daughter. What mom can't relate to that? Verse 23, and Jesus did not answer a word. Maybe he didn't even look up. Maybe he didn't even address her. He was wanted her to wait. Sometimes God wants us to wait, you know. Sometimes he wants to see the depth of our faith or the depth of our commitment. So the disciples came to him and they urged him, send her away. She keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. You're a Canaanite. I was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Now, don't miss this. Jesus is not being rude here. You're going to think he is, especially what he says in a minute. He's not being rude. What he's trying to do is draw faith out of this woman. Does this woman see him as just another medicine man trying to help her daughter? Does this woman see him as some kind of fixer, a doctor, a witch of some sort? Or does she see him as the son of God? Keep reading. The woman came, she knelt before him, Lord, help me, she said. And he replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Man, doesn't that sound harsh? You're a Canaanite. I'm a Jew. It's not right to take the Jews' bread, the children's bread, and toss it to the dogs. What Jesus is doing, again, he's tenderly trying to draw out Some expression of her faith. And that's exactly what he does. Look at verse 27. Yes, it is, Lord. In other words, I get that. I understand. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. In other words, I get it. I know who you are. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Let me just point out something that I want to apply to all our moms. It's twofold, really. The first thing is a resourceful mom, a mom who's in charge of a family, a mom who has a lot of responsibility on her shoulders, always knows where to go, see? What makes the mom in our text noteworthy is that she sought help from the right one. Now, we don't know. Maybe she had already visited the local witch doctor or the local psychotherapist or the local leader of the community, What we do know is that finally, when she was finished with all the naysayers, she even had to get around the disciples, who were like security for Jesus. She went straight to where she needed to go. Uh, Mom, I know you devote a lot of hours every week to your children, probably even some sleepless nights to your kids. I know that with their recreation, their extracurricular activities, I know how much time you spend preparing meals, taking care of family issues. But let me ask you something. How much time do you spend taking your child to someone who can really make a difference? There's no doubt in my mind that the prayers of my mom throughout my life have made the biggest difference in who I am and what I've become. There's no doubt. You see, when I was a little boy and woke up at about 5.30 in the morning to go to the bathroom before I went back to sleep, I would always find my mom in her lazy boy with the light on. She was the only one awake in the whole house. Her Bible was open. She had her little notepad with her prayer list on it. And she'd pray for my sister and me every morning, all my life. Even when I had upset her, and even when I was going in a direction that she didn't approve, she continued to pray. There's no doubt in my mind that that, above everything else, has made the difference in my life. So I'm challenging you moms to take some time this week and pray for your child. The housework can go undone. You can do a few loads less laundry, at least I assume you can. Maybe while juniors playing in t-ball, slip out of the stands and walk down that right field fence and watch your son from a distance all alone and pray for that child. That makes the difference. This mom in the text, she knew where to go. Do you? Here's something else to consider. Since she knew where to go, she got what she needed. I think that's pretty ironic because in our culture, you know, mom should be super mom. I mean, you got to balance the family's finances. You got to prepare all the meals. You got to plan the parties. You got to keep the house looking the way it should. Jesus didn't compliment this woman for any of those things. Jesus, in verse number 28, did not say, woman, you have great beauty. You don't look a day over 30. He didn't say that. He didn't say, How'd you get those wrinkles to go away? He didn't compliment her being a supermom, juggling all those things. Woman, you are a supermom. He didn't compliment her, her career. Woman, you have a great professional career. You've got it all. He didn't compliment any of those things. He didn't compliment her choice of outfit. Woman, you have great taste. Well, I saw those family vacation photos on Facebook. That family looked amazing. He didn't say any of that. He said in verse 28, woman, you have great faith. See, it's a matter of principle. It's a matter of priority in your home, mom. Uh, You familiar with Proverbs 31? One of our moms read a verse from Proverbs 31 a moment ago. Even today in modern 2019, an Orthodox Jewish family on Friday evening before Passover begins, as the meal has been prepared before they eat, the father and the children stand up and they sing Proverbs 31 to mom. They do it every Friday. How would you like to be serenaded every Friday before the meal, mom? It'd be Pretty special, isn't it? Proverbs 31 and verse 30 says, Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. You see, one of the greatest tactics the enemy has is to get you focused on what you think you need from someone who cannot or will not give it to you and fail to make it all the way to the father. Some of you sitting here right now are under the false impression that if my ex-husband would just do what I'm asking, I could be happy, right? If my coworkers would do this or do that or listen to what I'm saying, I could be happy, if I could get my church to give me what I need, I could be happy. If I could get those in my community to agree with me, I could be happy. All the while missing the one to whom we're supposed to go. You've heard me brag about my dad on other occasions. He's, uh, he's tops in my book, and I love him dearly. But let me tell you something about my mom that maybe she doesn't even know. I told you earlier in the service that my mother is a woman of prayer and has been all my life. Again, there's probably even, even to this day, not a day that goes by that she doesn't pray for my sister and me. It's no secret as well, because I've shared this story with you before, that when I lived in Florida before moving to South Georgia, those were the darkest days of my life, hands down, not even close. I had gone through a divorce that I didn't want, that I tried to stop, and it literally crushed me. At the same time as that was unfolding and my life was falling apart, my parents were retiring and moving to Little Meadow, Georgia. They were six hours up the road. Every day or every night, my father would call, and he would say, hey, I'm here. I'm here to talk. How's it going? How can I help? And my mom would pray. They couldn't sleep at night very well either because they were so heartbroken for their son. And so dad would call. And mom would pray. Uh, they were brokenhearted. I believe they felt a lot of what I felt. And so dad would call and, and mom would pray. They were very unhappy over the events of the past six months. This isn't, wasn't how their life or my life was supposed to turn out. And so dad would call and, and mom would pray. You say, well, well, how do you know that your mom was praying? Because dad would call and tell me, hey, Michael, your mother's praying. There was one night in July in 1989 that was particularly dark for me, and I don't mind sharing this publicly. I had this way of my, getting out on my balcony of my third-story apartment building, and I could jump out onto the roof of the hallway or the stairs. I could go up and then eventually get on the roof of the entire apartment building. I'd go up there. It's like 3 in the morning, and I couldn't sleep. I was heartbroken. I was angry at God. I'd look up at the stars, and I'd try to figure it out. And believe it or not, on that particular night, as dark as it was, I started to turn over in my mind, boy, it'd just be easier if I were dead. It'd just be easier if I, if I could end my life. This grief, this, this sorrow, this pain like I've never felt before would go away. And then it occurred to me, it's almost like God spoke it and I heard it. If I could just hold on for two or three more hours, when the sun came up, there was a pretty good chance my dad was going to call and my mom would be praying and I knew that. And that's what got me through that and many more difficult nights during that season in my life. Today, 30 plus years later, I'm just married to the most beautiful woman. I am married to the the perfect woman that God could have ever prepared for me. I get to pastor this church, and I know so many of you, and I love you dearly. I love my staff and the people I work with. Not so much John. But there's no doubt in my mind that for the most part, the reason all those things are so is because of that lady sitting right back there. Who from the time they brought me home from the hospital, she began praying for her little boy. Mom, my mom knew where to go. And she got what she needed. Do you? Let me challenge you, Mother's Day 2019, to set aside some time every day And pray for your children. In the Old Testament, that idea is modeled by Hannah. In the New Testament, that idea is modeled by the woman in Matthew 15. And in my life, that principle has been modeled by my mom. God bless you. And happy Mother's Day. Let's pray. Father, look at all our moms. So beautiful they are. So responsible, so thoughtful, so compassionate, so diverse, so overwhelmed at times, and yet strong they stand. Father, when I speak to many of our moms, in spite of all they are to us and what they mean to their families, many of them feel like failures. Maybe that's because our culture kind of puts this unrealistic soccer mom expectation out there that... We all feel like we have to live up to somehow. Father, I pray as a result of this Mother's Day, 2019, that they'll simplify their goal as a mom. That like the parents who stood on the stage earlier, all of our families would simply be about creating an environment in our home that is a reflection of your love for us. Father, I pray these things because I'm not afraid to say, we need you. And boy, do we need our moms. So today we offer thanks. Today we give you the praise, the glory, the honor, as we in turn try and honor our moms. Father, may every mom at Grace Community Church and in this community know where to go and get what they need from you, our Father. I pray it in your son's name. Amen. God bless you, Grace Community Church. Happy Mother's Day. Make it a fantastic week. I will see you next time.